Hi, and welcome to the Rostrum Agency Managing Reputational Risk podcast with me, Grant Bazer. In this series of podcasts, I'll be discussing crisis and reputation management from a public relations and media perspective. I'll take a look at the definition of a crisis, what it feels like to be engulfed in a media storm, the role of a crisis communications team, and what steps businesses and individuals can take to minimise media exposure around reputational risk. Each episode, I'll be joined by guests who will give their unique insight into managing reputational risk. And of course, I'll give my take from a PR perspective. Having started my career as a journalist before becoming a company spokesperson and PR professional, I've seen all angles of a crisis. So join me and my guests as we delve into the issues that play into managing reputational risk. In this episode, my guest and I look at the importance of media measurement, assessing coverage, targeting media opportunities and ensuring a consistent message across spokespeople, geographies and sectors. Reputation in the media is so important for organisations of all sizes and we look at ways that organisations can proactively prepare for media engagement. On today's episode, I'm joined by Fiona Moore, Head of Marketing at ECI Partners and the host of the Building Successful Businesses podcast. Welcome, Fiona. So the question I ask every guest and the one that that kicks off our conversation is how do you define a crisis? So for me a crisis is essentially any event or activity that has the potential risk to damage a brand's reputation Um, and that's quite broad and I think what I found to working with PR and definitely working in private equity is that often you don't have to be in a crisis to be in a crisis and actually it's almost all the stage beforehand of assessing risk understanding what the outcomes might be so you may be in a crisis and hopefully nothing ever comes of it. And I've actually had most of the times that's what's happened. OK, so it's a lot of the, the pre-preparation and understanding where the potential risk points are to be able to mitigate those before they actually turn into something very bad. Yeah, exactly. And actually, um, I am always a fan of doing way more legwork and being way more broad around risk than you probably ever need to be. It's not a bad outcome if all that work is wasted. It's it's a good outcome. It means you haven't had to use it. Exactly. You'd much rather have all that stuff in the background and not need it than need it and not have it. Exactly. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think in private equity, it's almost um, more more complicated because you're not only assessing your own risk, but actually the risk really of all the portfolio companies that you're invested in. And different private equity firms obviously invest in different sectors. But for example, if you're invested in the care sector or anything like that, you just need to be so much more cognizant of all the different things that can potentially come up. And ACI Partners has quite a few spokespeople. So how do you go about maintaining messaging discipline across the organisation? We want a breadth of spokespeople. There's a bit about, um, you know, people building their own personal brands. And also we want to get a lot of PR coverage. You don't want to take up very busy people's time all the time. Um, So we try and make sure sort of everyone has areas they can speak about, which is often at a subsector level. And with that, there is a bit of training, kind of making sure people understand uh, what messages we want to have in the market. You also need to understand sort of which battles you're picking a little bit. Um, We are, I guess, fairly low risk in kind of what we're going to want to talk about. And often we'll have a good understanding and Rostrum obviously help us with that in terms of what the journalist is trying to get out of it beforehand. Um, so making sure that the, whoever's being put up for a spokesperson, sometimes they will have done it 100 times before. They're, they're fine. They really know exactly what they're doing. Sometimes these are people who are potentially doing it for the first, second time. And they might just need a bit of support kind of understanding what questions they might ask. And I think a bit of that is also a com- comfort around the fact that you don't have to answer everything if you don't want to. 
Um, so Rostrum, for example, often join those calls because they know how to kind of navigate that relationship. Well, I think sometimes if you haven't done it as often, there's a bit of a fear that you have to answer everything and you're put on the spot. And if they ask you something about a deal that you can't really talk about, you just flounder. And, and actually, it's fine to say, uh, I don't I don't want to talk about that and actually move the kind of conversation on. But I do think there's a bit where I think on some issues you need to have consistency of messaging people need to understand sort of what the overall message to the market from ECI is but people do need to be given a bit of scope to have their own personal views and actually I think I'm very anti people being overly scripted and going to talk to journalists with one sort of key message and not kind of going off the cuff a bit because actually I think what journalists find interesting is that individual insight what their perspective is and as long as, you know, it's not a total wild card, I think that it should be allowed, that should be encouraged. People should kind of be able to feel a bit of freedom to have their own kind of personal views as well. But that comes from a relationship of trust between me and, you know, the people in the company that I know they're not suddenly going to go absolutely wild and I'll come back and say, why on earth did you say that? <laughs> yeah, completely agree. And to your earlier point, it is about a conversation between the journalist and the spokesperson. It's that spokesperson is... The expert will know more than the journalist, but it's not about just going in with a script because the journalist doesn't want that because the journalist could have that over email and it just doesn't add any colour to that story. Whereas if it's a conversation and both sides feel like they're getting something out of it, then that works a lot better. For example, on my media training, what I tell the spokespeople is go into every single media engagement with an ideal headline in mind. This is what I would like the outcome to be. It's very rare that that actual headline will make it into press, but as long as they've got something that they're striving towards, that will help determine their messaging a lot more than if they just went in blind. A briefing note that gives some details around the journalist, around the talking points can be so beneficial as well. Yeah, and I think also there's so much about it, which is sort of relationship building as well what we want is if we've gone into that meeting with a journalist is given them enough insight and a bit of personality that they want to then come back to us again for a quote they want to have a meeting you know that's that's sort of what you want out of it as well as whatever you know the finished comment is in the article definitely yeah if you can go into any journalist meeting with this is what the journalist wants to know so I'm going to give them that but I'm also going to give them two or three other ideas so that they have touch points to come back to me, then that can go a really uh, long way. One thing I was drawn to is the, the fact you said you've got so many different spokespeople. So how do you know that that is the right approach? Yeah, so it's a really interesting, um, I guess, strategy question around sort of PR in private equity. And what you tend to see is that some PR firms tend to focus on sort of big nationals. And that's really, it's kind of very brand exposure, um, big names, and that's kind of what they want out of it. And then they have this kind of strategy as more kind of, a, I guess, a subsector kind of sector strategy, where actually you're really focused on those kind of sector trade press. And both people are trying to solve the same thing, really, which is by and large, especially in the sort of mid-market private equity, how do you get in front of CEOs? And that is just such a fundamental challenge, because I think back in the day, you probably could actually pursue kind of big national board sheet strategy and get in front of CEOs. Then slowly that kind of, I think, was kind of fading away and then potentially going more towards this kind of trade press, maybe sort of entrepreneurial press strategy. But the most complicated thing out of all of it is that actually I think most people read things they get sent 
which is sort of how hard is it to kind of end up evaluating whether or not what you're kind of getting is working. And PR is just a really hard thing to measure. So we obviously track, you know, whether we're getting sort of inbound to our website off the back of either spikes in traffic or direct kind of links to our website from publications. But most publications won't include a link to your website. If, for example, you're in the Times front page, you could probably easily track it. But if you're sort of in a UK tech news kind of article online, can you really see whether that's driving traffic to your site or not? It's it's a really difficult one, but you have to choose a strategy. I think the worst thing you can possibly do is try and do both of those at all times um, or just kind of try and get a feel, maybe a gut feel for whether or not it's working. So what we do at ECI is we have, we've pursued more of the sector strategy route. Um, We think that those high quality trade publications, especially ones which have a good online social media presence, are actually how we're going to get in front of those kind of CEOs and founders. And then we have a tiering system, which essentially is how we mark, I guess, Rostrum's homework. Um, (laughs) And uh, (laughs) which, you know, I guess it's funny talking to you about it. But the way that we sort of came up with that tiering system is a few different ways. One is kind of what we perceive as the quality of the publication, that kind of social media presence that I mentioned, the actual reach and, you know, reach, you always have to take a bit with a pinch of salt. Um, And then we also asked our CEOs. So in terms of our portfolio CEOs, we asked them kind of what do you read? What are the sector publications that are actually good? Because I think it's a really hard one to gauge at a sector level if they're actually being read by the people that the publication says they're being read by. Yes. And so then off the back of that, so every every single publication has a tier. We have a dashboard, which we then stagger all the kind of pu- coverage each month by tier. And we track it on a chart to see how Rostrum are doing. And it's, it's really good because actually what you can see really is how many high tier publications that we really wanted to get into are we in and we kind of also track positive and negative sentiment and we also track you know how many spokespeople there are which subsectors we're getting covered but having that dashboard means that rather than at the end of the month go I think that was a good month for PR we can visualize it we can see it we can share it with different uh, stakeholders in the business so so I find that really valuable. That sounds like a great approach and hopefully Rostrum is a is performing well at the moment. Yeah, the graph's ticking up. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So as you said, every organisation does things a little bit differently. It sounds like your data approach has got buy-in and I guess that lends itself to that managing reputational risk and you can go, these are the core titles that I want to be in and these are the key messages that we want to talk about. So that all marries together in in that one dashboard that you update every every month yeah and I think the interesting thing is whatever it is that you're choosing to measure I think it really does just put an onus on whoever's in your marketing team or internal comms team to really try and work out what it is you want out of it because the number of times I've had conversations with people in businesses which sort of say are we getting enough value from PR is this a good way of spending our money and people have this conversation all the time because they don't necessarily measure it and they don't necessarily know exactly what they would measure Um, so for example in my last company one of the things that we had was a scoring system so rather than just looking at the tier of publication we gave every single bit of coverage a score depending on whether or not key messages that we wanted to get out that year were in there but also whether there was a link back to our own site because actually the, the SEO kind of purpose of the PR was really key uh, and it's a nightmare because I know journalists absolutely hate <laughs> including links back to the site but for us it was a key metric so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same scoring or the data for every single organization but having some way of being able to see that which isn't just total coverage by month I think is really key 
do you show that to the spokespeople as well so they can see where they are on that dashboard? So we show everyone sort of how much coverage everyone is getting, I guess. Um, and we track how much activity we're doing per subsector. So people who kind of look after subsectors can see where they're kind of sitting in terms of the rest of the firm. Um, and we, we do, you know, there's a carrot stick, I suppose, where we highlight case studies where people have done a really great job speaking to journalists and done a great job getting subsect coverage. And they can also see the graph and where they are on it in terms of how much coverage by individual each person has got over the last 12 months. So we're not, it's not sort of saying you haven't done enough because people are yeah. really busy. If you're on a deal, I'd rather you're on a deal. Um, <laughs> But we want to make sure that everyone's pulling their weight and everyone's building their own personal and the ECI brand. Going back to my media training again, it's it's making the journalist aware that if someone is speaking to that journalist, that's not their only job. They've got other things to do as well. They've got their day job. To your dashboard point, making sure that that time is used well. Yeah, and quite often, for example, an opportunity will come up and we'll look at our list and go, actually, you know what, that's a low tier publication. Let's just not do it. Uh, people are really busy. And, and having that understanding uh, and having it set ahead of time is, is really helpful. If there is a, let's say, a startup company looking to, to build something like your system, can they do that without the likes of Kantar and Mailwater and other platforms? Is there a simple way that they can go about that to measure how well they're doing against their own internal metrics? Uh, yeah, so we... Um... We pretty much do it all ourselves. Well, or Rostrum kind of with Rostrum um, and it's a spreadsheet. So it's not, you know, anything super complicated. Uh, and then we put it into Power BI. But the hardest thing really is working out the tiers at the start. So obviously, if you have Kantar or you have a way of understanding kind of circulation reach of the piece, that's helpful. But actually, that's probably the least important bit. The, the most important bit is probably speaking to your actual audience and working out what they're reading. And the, the narrower sector that you operate in the easier that is where it gets complicated is when you want to target all things at all times but you just can't do that so it's kind of where do you start and even if you just start saying you know these are the 10 publications I want to be in let's give them a high score and and rank everything else as low tier and just to focus it and then over time build it out Um, but I think it's definitely definitely possible to do that but you do need to speak to people I think quite a lot of it can sometimes feel like guesswork and it's definitely an art, not a science. Um, but I, I do think you can take some of that guesswork out by speaking to the people that you actually do want to target. Yeah, so it's all about that research. Going back to the, the very point that we started this conversation talking about, it's all about that planning, that preparation, so that when you come to go out and talk to the press about any, something positive or negative, you've done all the work, so it, it then becomes a much easier process. Yeah. So what happens on any occasion where maybe a spokesperson goes slightly off piece to a key message? How do you resolve that internally and manage that risk? Yeah, so I guess there's things you can do ahead of time. So as obviously you're trying to kind of make sure that they understand what the key messages are. And I think it does depend a bit on the situation. I think the easiest situation is when you're actually dealing with something having gone wrong or something where it's potentially a kind of controversial or, you know, sensitive subject. Then I think uh, people are very concerned. They want to know what the key messages are. They're putting a bit more maybe thought ahead of the meeting rather than sort of looking at the briefing note sort of five minutes before time and then just kind of jumping on the call. 
the luckily it's that way around that the higher the sensitivity the more work and the more on message generally people are that the risk is more that kind of when you've just jumped on a call it's sort of they haven't yet clarified if it's on or off record that's always something which kind of I think is definitely worth making sure you understand that or afterwards I suppose there's just a case of how can you kind of rectify it is there anything that you can put out so I've never had it where there's something that's gone out where I've had to kind of issue a statement or kind of try and retract it or anything like that but I think there's things which just go oh we've sort of you know we wanted to push let's say our international creds and actually we sort of made it seem like we're a UK firm something something like that and then I think you just have to work out how the rest of your comms plan can kind of tie into then suddenly pushing or kind of correcting the message that may be in the market and we find you know social media is pretty powerful for us as well so quite a lot of the people that we either want to invest in or sort of the advisor networks investors they follow us on LinkedIn where we're super active so so you can be quite quick and responsive on social which I think is always something worth doing and other than that sort of working with your PR firm to kind of understand where else can we maybe get the better message out yeah the point we've made throughout this conversation is knowing what you want to say and then targeting those publications that you want to tell it in and if it doesn't quite land having that other approach yeah and and I think you do need to have a really sensible approach to risk as well because it's very easy to sort of want to take every opportunity up because we want to get our brand name out there and you want to talk to journalists and we've got loads of great insights and you kind of you know you're getting carried away you really want to do it but actually especially in the current market you know even if you've got loads of great case studies of for example where you know companies have grown they've got one story that that's their hook and that's what they're kind of going with and you you sort of need to get a good view like you said earlier about kind of what is the journalist's motivations what stories have they covered before and sometimes even if it might be a great brand opportunity not take the opportunity because actually you're potentially taking a more you know casual approach to risk and it's not going to actually kind of pay out for you and on your dashboard, do you tier individual journalists as well? So so not on the dashboard, we don't. That may, may be data points we may have in the future. Come one more question, again, that I ask every guest on, on the podcast, and we've already touched on this a little bit, but are there any steps that organisations and individuals can take to mitigate and minimise their exposure to risk? Yeah, I mean, it's it really is just, for me, all about preparation. And I think it's identifying those potential areas of risk and having a really sort of I guess almost a pessimistic approach to what can be risky because it's really easy when you see a sector that's high risk as you go I can see exactly that might end up on panorama I could picture the whole thing but at most most cases and most um, investments aren't like that so it's kind of working out where else um, there may be areas of potential risk and then especially for us having that kind of close connection with the portfolio so that they know that if an area of risk comes up they have a really close communication channel with us and potentially there's already a kind of strategy in place. So do we have, for example, a group email? Everyone knows exactly who to email if something comes up. Do they feel comfortable because you've had those kind of conversations before to do that? It's not us checking up on people or kind of we're not there to tell them off. We just need to know as much as possible. Um, And that's partly the direct lines between someone like myself and a portfolio company, but also the individuals in my own company that they would pass anything on to me as well. So definitely loads of kind of preparation around potential risks, making sure you have those kind of communication channels. And I think just giving people a sense for what the potential positives and negatives are on PR. Now, I tend to find private equity is quite a risk averse kind of industry. So 
it doesn't tend to be of anything that they're saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to go chat to this journalist or, oh, yeah, I actually chatted to a journalist already. I didn't tell you about it. That yeah. tends to not be the way it happens. If anything, I'm sort of nudging them more into kind of being <laughs> very open and kind of being able to have those frank chats with journalists. But I think generally, as long as people understand that there's definitely upside and downside and having a kind of sensible approach to where the risk is, um, I think it's key to kind of making sure you kind of mitigate that. Definitely. And to your point about understanding where the crisis points are, a lot of times it's not going to be a crisis straight away. It could be an issue that just if if left unresolved for hours, days, weeks, months, it then turns into a crisis. So it is about straight away, as soon as something comes to your desk and your team's desk and your organisation going, this is something we need to manage now and it's going to take a couple of hours whereas if we leave it for a couple of weeks this is going to ruin the rest of the month yeah because it could definitely really easily feel like you've, you're wasting your time because five similar issues have come up nothing came of it you know maybe you feel like oh what a, what a lot of time I spent doing that it's kind of fine but actually it's the best waste of time I think you can ever do <laughs> That's a great phrase to finish on. <laughs> the best waste of time you can ever do. I love that. I, and I think that is a fantastic place to stop. So once again, thank you so much for your time. That was really interesting. And hopefully have you on again soon. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thanks once again to Fiona from ECI Partners. And join me next time as we look at another aspect of managing reputational risk. This is a Rostrum Agency production, produced, mixed and edited by Rostrum. Rostrum is a full-service communications agency, offering PR, content and influencer marketing, social media, training, design and much more. Rostrum is among the UK's top 5 B2B agencies and a PR Week top 100 agency, specialising in financial services, professional services, consumer and corporate campaigns, as well as crisis management, content marketing and social media. Rostrum creates campaigns and content to help clients punch above their weight. Rostrum measures everything it does, delivering exceptional value for clients' budgets. To find out more, search rostrum.agency.